Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. This is episode 81, which is the se- actually third episode for April 2013, because we did a bonus episode, so don't get confused. It's the Daikaiju discussion episode for Daikaiju Varan. And I am Kyle, and with me is Jeff Dean. Hi, kids. And Mr. Martin Vavra. Hey, hey. And we're here to watch uh, the wonder that is the 1958 Toho classic film uh, all about a giant monster who lives in a lake. Uh, we do have some news. We do have some stuff to talk about. And, of course, we do have some music uh, that we're going to get to. Uh, the first song is from Akira Fukube, and it is from Godzilla versus. No, I said that wrong. It's King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> Rookie mistake, really. <laughs> uh, and it is called The Confrontation at Fuji.
So for those of you who are interested in the music we just played, we started off with the confrontation at Mount Fuji uh, from King Kong versus Godzilla, obviously by Akira Fukube. And then we followed that up with Monster Match 1 from Godzilla versus Megalon, which is by Richiro Manabe. And then uh, the last song is Rebirth of Varan or Varan or Varan. Really depends on how, how you, how you want to say it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and that was also by Fukube, and that is from our, our movie tonight. And uh, while I'm at it, I might as well say that uh, it's time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast showcases one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following Daikaiju discussion episode. Uh, thanks to an online tool, I've randomized the entire list of every single Kaiju film from Japan. And some from Korea too. I'm, I'm getting off off script here, uh, and uh, randomized it. And uh, this is basically making sure we keep doing the show. Uh, I would say for a long, long time. But this is 2013. We've only got through 2015 left, so about halfway done. And then we're gonna do some rebooting and so forth and so on, which we don't need to get into right now because we're gonna talk about uh, tonight's movie, which is Daikaiju Varan otherwise known as Varan the Unbelievable. It was shot in 1958 at Toho uh, as a co-production with ABC Television, basically. Uh, and then the co-production fell through. 
And Toho was sitting there left with all this footage and decided to continue making their movie and uh, made the movie we're going to watch tonight. Jeff and Martin are here with me right now. We're going to hit pause on the old recorder here and go watch the movie right now. And we're back. We just finished watching Varan, Daikaiju Varan. I don't know. I say I've typically say Varan, but what did you guys hear uh, when we were watching it? Did you hear Varan or Varan or Baran or Balloon? I I thought I heard uh, Baran. Baran? Okay. Yeah. Baran, Baran. All right. Well, we just finished watching the movie, and uh, what were your thoughts? Initial thoughts. We have to kind of rush through things for for our good friend Jeff here. Yeah. So you go first, Jeff. Um. I I thought it was okay. Wasn't yeah. horrible. It was just a little slow. That makes sense. And uh, I could see, you know, it left me wanting more in the uh, monster department. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what did you, what did you think of the actual monster? Varan is a little clunky, I think. Um, I like the design of, you know, the spikes on the back. Right. Look pretty good. The head is a little kind of hard to kind of really make out. Um, I don't know. I just thought it's it's okay. I'm by far not anywhere near one of my favorite, you know. Monster kaiju, designs. Yeah, kaiju designs at all. All right. So that's solid. How about you, Martin? What were your initial thoughts on this film? I was really excited for this one. I I don't have any idea why, but I was. It, I was actually curious <laughs> why you were so excited for this the other I, day. I honestly have no idea why, but I I really was kind of excited for this one. But um, yeah, it's 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 very slow. It's uh, I was really happy about the very beginning of this movie when uh when Varan is tearing apart the the village, and I'm like sweet like where Varan is right in the beginning of the movie and we're right off the bat with a lot of monster this is really great and there is Varan is in it quite a bit but it's also there's no real drive there's no real excitement there's no real anything it was just like oh man how long are we going to spend putting the military together how long is it going to take for him to get from the lake to the military? You did have to actually see a lot of military action in this. Oh man, it, but it's not action really. It's... Oh yeah, sorry, a little, a lot of military activity. Yeah, there are a lot of shots of the missiles and and the cannons firing, just like firing and missing. But yeah, it was like it was bring your kid to school day or bring your kid to work day. And and they were, okay, go ahead, little Timmy, line this one up and shoot. (laughs) Light him up, son. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it does seem to, uh, I mean, I agree with you in that it it moves um, better the first half. Yeah. The last half really, really feels like they stretched it out. Well, I really do feel like once Varan leaves the lake setting it's kind of not exciting there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the water which i will admit i don't think was shot very well and uh yeah. you know i that comes from a place of love for this film <laughs> i do i you know it's a uh, i'll give my initial thoughts on the film and i've seen this film several times this is the first time i've seen it on a screen as large as this um but it's it's unfortunate that Varan is as um as slow as it is. Maybe if it had taken maybe if they had done Varan like 
four years later, you know, when they were doing stuff like Atragon and Matongo, then you'd actually get a better film where they'd put more more thought into it and get some more, um, I don't know, what would I say, excitement behind not just the creature and the creature's actions, but also the the uh, the actors and the the actual plot of the film because it's a very very simple plot. There's not there's, a lot going on in this film. Yeah, there there's absolutely no subplot to this movie whatsoever. The others always have, you know, there's somebody that has ulterior motives. There's like there's a variety of things, but this has absolutely no subplot to it. So I think they found that they were really kind of fluffing this movie along air stretching it out as much as they possibly could <laughs> it's it's very possible i mean so one of the things that i i found out when i was doing my small bit of research for this film was that when uh when abc pictures came to toho or approached toho in 1957 uh i guess it was honda or whoever was in charge if it was tanaka or honda they basically said well you know we know what's going on here. This is going to be like Godzilla King of the Monsters where they're just going to strip out all of our actors and put in American actors instead. Uh, and so they they really approached the project of Varan or Daikaiju Varan as being this thing that they probably weren't going to spend a lot of time on. And uh, I think that really shows. Whereas uh, even in Rodan, there's still like an air of mystery. There's still this sort of like um, danger that you really feel from the from the film, even though they go down in the mine so many times, uh, you just don't get that kind of sense of excitement in 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 this film. Unfortunately, yeah, there's just not really much suspense. It's just uninspired. You know, I hate to kind of use that word, but it just feels like it's kind of paint by numbers. Ouch, dude! It's a good thing you have to leave <laughs> soon because yeah. I don't know if I can look at you yeah. right now. But, but don't you think it's like because it was a originally going to be a tv film yes absolutely i mean that's what i was saying it's like they basically uh even if it wasn't on tv it was definitely going to be uh you know just ripped apart by the american company and that's why they that's why they shot it and that's actually uh i believe david callett is saying that's probably why the guy who played the lead in this film uh whose name is kozu nomura uh, he's not a leading man in any of the other kaiju films. He's sort of just a background player, and and so, unfortunately, I think it it's uh, it really shows. It's very apparent that there's not a ton of time and effort into this. That being said, there are things that I loved about this movie, uh, and I'll just go ahead. I'll be the first one to go with this. Uh, what I loved aspect, and that is, I love the creature design behind Varan. He is. Uh, I'd say in the Toho monsters, he is in my top five monster designs. Uh, and that's if I'm just saying Godzilla is one creature design. I know there's lots and lots and lots of suits. So uh, don't get me wrong on that. But, you know, he definitely is up there with Death Ghidra and uh, and Destroya and Batra and Godzilla for me. I really like the way Varan looks like when... That's why when X Plus released the crawling version of him, I was like, must have this. Because it's Do you so like gorgeous. The flying version? Um or? I uh, I'll talk about this a little bit uh in a minute, but no. I don't. It seems like that was kind of just 
thrown in there. Like, you know, like why? If he yeah. can fly, why is he treading across the ocean? You yeah. Know? Well, what? Let's let's save that for a minute. Uh, what did you like about the movie, Jeff? Give me something um, you liked or loved. You know, about I like the score. I thought the score Ooh, was yes. pretty good. The Fukube score is fantastic I think in this the film. The score kind of is like probably the best thing about the film. I have uh, opinion, two Godzilla soundtracks on my phone that mm-hmm. I took with me down to Monster Palooza, and Varan was one of those because I just it's very uh, it's very moving. This, yeah, as we heard earlier in the, in the episode. Uh, anything else that you really loved about it? Um, loved. I'm not. Sh- I don't know if loved is is the word I would use. But I didn't really think the miniature work was that bad. No. Because I had not seen this film before, so I'd kind of like, my expectations were not too high. And I thought, you know, some of the miniature work was fine, especially when he was destroying the airport and the village scene. Yeah, the airport, um, I will I will say, that was really dark, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I uh, one of the things that Callet mentions in his book is that uh, initially, because this was for television, it was shot... A lot of the footage was actually shot in four by three, four four three ratio aspect. Correct me if I've got terminology wrong. Uh, but uh, it was shot for TV, and then when they realized uh, that they weren't going to be selling it to ABC, um, they're like, "Well, I guess we'd better do something with this." So they actually zoomed in when they did their um, when they did the prints for this, and you so, can totally tell. Yeah, there's. I was new. Knowing that going into the film as I was watching at this time, I was like, oh, there's a lot of really just not crisp details. That's one of the things I've always heard about black and white stuff is that it's it's crisp. You know, you get sort of this, um, if you shoot in black and white, you have this high contrast ratio and you don't get that if you shoot in color and then turn it into black and white later. So um, when we were watching the film tonight, I was like, man, I was expecting a little more crispness on my screen. Uh, and so that was the other thing is that it was, it, we'll, I'll cover this in a minute, but why it was shot in black and white was for TV. And also probably the elements they used back then shooting for TV are probably not the best film elements. Well, they probably did use this, the same film stock that they normally use for, for their movies. It's just that they had to go back to black and white. Yeah. But anyway, uh, moving on. What were things you guys did not like about it? Oh no, I get, I get to say what I liked. Oh no, I skipped you, didn't I? I I'm sorry. Stu- I'm I like stuff. Jeff's, and... Jeff's hitting his watch and making sure I know that he has to leave. <laughs> I don't have a watch on. I'm just tapping my wrist. It's just like four minutes. Now. I got a thing to get to. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> anyway, okay. What what did you love about the movie? I really loved the scene where Varan was destroying the village. I thought that was really well done. And this is probably going to be so stupid. I thought that the tail action of the Varan suit is the best that I have seen out of all of the monsters. It's pretty good. It was really, really good the way they uh, animated it or articulated it or however. Like the movement and everything was really good. And I just probably just. Like essentially like a puppet, like a marionette. Yeah, probably just on a wire. Probably so, yeah. but whatever they did, they did this tale better than any of the other monsters that I've seen before. I just thought it was really well done. Right on. Very cool. Did you have another thing to add, or was that the that was the big thing? No, we'll for move you? on because we're in a okay, hurry yeah. here. This is a foot race. I'm sorry I skipped over you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no. so we got it now. 
Okay. Uh, Jeff, what didn't you like about the film? Like, tell me, tell me the main thing that, that bugged you about this film. Um, the pacing. I think the pacing. And also, I wanted a little bit more dynamic monster action. You wanted more dynamic violence. Yeah, especially, you know, the climax. I kind of think is a little anticlimactic. Yeah, I thought the climax was definitely not as exciting as the attack on the on the village. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they built up with the always coming into Tokyo Bay, and it's like a big kind of built. I mean, you're building up the last half hour of the movie into this, and it's just like oh, these catching flares, and it's just <laughs> you know, it's just like you just kind of like it's. Like, I thought Wah. that was adorable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> adorable is not what you want, right? In the climax, yeah, I guess not. I guess giant, not. Giant monster movie. Yeah, uh, and, and then you know it kind of explodes, and he kind of you know, stumbles back into the sea and then the giant explosion, you don't even really get to see that much. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah, uh, it does kind of get, get, uh, <laughs> even gets jump cut a little bit. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Martin? What did you just despise about this movie or just really rubbed you the wrong way? So, um, when they were launching the flares on the hillside to distract Varan away from the cave entrance. Yes. Did I'm, did I blink and miss when he was catching them in his mouth? Uh, I, I mean, he went toward him, but I don't remember actually. So when they said, you know, we'll use the flares, he'll catch him in his mouth. I'm like, you know, I saw him do it at the mountain. I'm like, I'm glad you did because I, I don't I, think they I showed didn't see it. that. I don't, I don't think they showed that at that time because that was only referenced towards the end, like. Yeah. All right, fire up the projector again. We're gonna go right back to that scene. I, I honestly, no, I, don't I honestly did not see Varan catching those those flares early on. So when they, well, referenced I can tell it, you, it was definitely not as overt as it was at the end of the film. Oh yeah, yeah. Can, well, <laughs> they, but they actually mentioned it. But it, w before the scientists mentioned that Varan was catching them when, when they're watching all this and they're gonna rig their explosions on there. There was a moment where I was like, all right, I'm missing something else because there's a parachute all caught up in his back spines. And then, it, oh, it's the flares. Like, I, I was missing that the flares were actually the shoot kind. I thought they were just launching off a, a firecracker type of flare. Earlier. Yeah. I never saw a, a shoot or <laughs> before then. I also missed the part where the doctor or the scientist was like, oh, you should shoot flares at him because I saw this work and Godzilla raids again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have to uh, admit, uh, I don't not, not This isn't in a bad way that Jeff is right in this because, yeah, the pacing of this thing, the, the it just really slows down. And it totally makes sense what you said about they were shooting this thing for TV and, and when they had to go on by themselves without ABC, they may have been, they may have just been trying to like stretch this thing out from what would have been an hour show to suddenly now they got to fill an hour and a half and they're, they're, they're just stretching this thing out and they're zooming in. Like you said, yeah, I was looking yeah. at that going, man, why is the focus and everything so blown on this thing? It was because that. They were trying to make it 16-9 after the way it was shot for TV. Totally, totally. It's unfortunate because I really, I kind of wish I could go back in time and be like, no, shoot this for real, please. I'll pay you loads of money. Well, you can crop it. <laughs> if you if you can crop it, if you shoot it 16-9, you can always crop it for TV after the fact. So right, right. Off, but, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they were just like, let's shoot it right now at 4-3 and just well, they deal had with a it. deal. I mean, they yeah. had a deal with ABC. They were like, heck yeah, we'll do it this way. Yeah. I also would have loved to see what would have happened if they would have shot it in color, too. I think yeah. that would have been nice. Probably, 
Yeah, I mean, it would have been think, worse actually if they'd have tried to blow it oh, up. Oh, for sure, if it was blown yeah. up, they'd have tried to blow yeah, it up. Yeah. It would have been a wreck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm just saying, like, like agreeing with Kyle, like go back in time and like let's make a full blown yeah monster movie. You'd, You'd have had a totally a different budget. Movie. Yeah. yeah, you know, actually, I as complete sidebar, and I I definitely want to get back to the topic at hand uh, very quickly. But uh, after the American Godzilla movie came out in '98. Uh, one person I read actually said that they would have been okay with that movie if it had been a Varan remake because he's sort of the Zilla character actually acts more like Varan than he does uh, Godzilla. And I was like, I could buy that now that I, I've seen this. I understand what he's saying. I don't disagree. I don't, I don't agree. But anyway. except Varan people, 99% of the public would have been who? Right, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been right now. I'm not saying that they should have said Varan, the unbelievable returns or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jeff, I, I, I think we need to get to your final thoughts. We're going to do this a little bit differently. So Martin and I are going to continue to talk about this because you actually do have to leave. Yeah, so we're talking behind my back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give us your stupid final thoughts, Jeff. Well, um, my final thoughts are basically it's a it's a missed opportunity. This movie, I think. I'm kind of like we we had just talked about. Um, yeah, it's just it's poorly paced in in my opinion, and uh, not horrible, but it's not anything I would go back and watch yearly for sure. Right, right. And then would you show this to? Uh... I would show this. Um, I mean, to someone who is in love with this genre, I'd say definitely watch this movie. But it's, this isn't this is not something I would definitely pick out and say, "Oh, you must watch this." Right? You wouldn't say this is a building block of the kaiju universe. Oh, absolutely not. Okay. All right. Uh, well, thank you for your time, sir. All right. Thank you, and I'm sorry I'm missing the rest of the episode. Well, you just have to catch it on the download. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, thank goodness Jeff knows how to show himself out. So. <laughs> Uh, I actually do want to go back a little bit uh, to things that I loved about this movie because I, I was taking some notes on things that I really liked and things that I didn't like and stuff like that. And then actually just some other other kind of things. And maybe we can we have a little bit extra time now. So <laughs> no offense, Jeff. No offense. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I really liked about it was um, I loved the miniature Varan in the uh on the map. Oh, that was hilarious. When, you know, <laughs> a lot of times you see these movies and when you have a uh, you you've got your military placement maps, they like in the Gamera series, yeah. the, the newer trilogy, they just have like a big letter that represents the monster on there and this they actually had like somebody had to sculpt that. This and, was like, the precursor yeah, toy. <laughs> the the concept that they were like <laughs> all right we need something to represent the monster <laughs> and this dude in the back being like i i used to sculpt before i joined this japanese self-defense give me 20 course. minutes i'll work one up <laughs> does anyone have any sculpey you know just kind of like to me i just it just made me laugh and i i loved it and general and hey uh, bill over in radar is a whittler yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else did I love? I also loved, uh, yeah, I also loved the destruction of the village. I thought that was mm -hmm. clearly the best scene in the entire film. Uh, Varan's design is, like I said, you know, top slot for me, but mm -hmm. that, um, I have a movie, I, whatever you would call it. It's called Godzilla Fantasia. 
I believe you've been here when I've played it because it was on during one of our parties. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's a whole bunch of special effects scenes from Godzilla movies and um, you know other Toho kaiju films and science fiction films set to a Fukubei's music. It's just called Godzilla Fantasia. There's like no uh, human actors in it. So it's Tiger was raised on Godzilla Fantasia. And I specifically remember the village attack scene for and uh, Varan coming out of the lake. Like everything about that lake and the mm-hmm. village scene this to me is very it's very kaiju. I mean that's that's the epitome of kaiju stuff to me. It's like seeing that that stuff. And then yes, after he leaves the lake, it just kind of goes wah, 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 and yeah. like deflates <laughs> as far as the film goes. Um but uh yeah and like at some point during the film, when he was in the water, he was his head crested, sort of like he. It was almost like um, you saw him coming up. His head was coming up first, and like so, his spikes were coming through the water, and it was just like creating this big. Uh, you know, the water was going over it's his like head, a so it's over like it, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like sort of like bulbous through the water, and then he he would crest out of the water and roar. I thought that was awesome too, mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that, something I didn't like was when they clearly just had the Varan suit uh, on a board submerged in the water and they were <laughs> pulling it <laughs> through <laughs> through the pool. It's just such a bummer to see that yeah. actually happen. I was like, ah, just clearly, it just, it reeks of not having enough attention put, you know, put on the film. So yeah, it's unfortunate, but it, it's, uh, it is what it is. Um, what else, like, so we, now that we have more time, <laughs> what else did you love about the film or did well, love about the film? So, um, I want to go back to a Fuka based score because okay. I did like the score. I, I won't say I like, I really did love the music, but I honestly believe that the music was misplaced in, in half of the places that the music was used. Okay. So when you say that, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, let's see, I am not describing qualifying your statement but Mm. i'm trying to get a little more clarification when you say misplaced like describe one of the scenes where the music was maybe misplaced so the the very first scene varan is in the ocean and all of the uh there's naval ships out there but the aircraft are coming in that music was um it was very it was very patriotic when, but it felt when he was in the water you mean? yeah oh, okay was, yeah. gotcha cuz i i believe that was the ocean wasn't it? he was he was he was in the ocean making his way to tokyo and it's the first time the navy and the aircraft are attacking yeah so i think here's i'm i'm not sure if this is this is it or not but this is what this stuff yeah yeah, so this is like military march stuff. It is, and this is this is. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is all like precursor music that Afuka Bay is doing. That later on, when we get into the later Godzilla movies, is really like he's really refined this stuff, and it's very much um, like you can you can feel and hear the similarities later down the road where he's really carrying on this music with yeah, the military absolutely. and all that. Like it's it's um it's signature is what it is. That's what I'm missing. Like yeah. it's very signature in the later movies when Afuka Bay is doing this in Godzilla. But in this one it I don't know, for some reason, um I felt like it wasn't dynamic. I felt like it was made and it was this piece and they're 
playing it, but there's, you know, the planes are flying in and there's all this shooting, but the music never really changes any kind of tempo. It doesn't do anything. It's playing at all of the same pace. It doesn't, mm. it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't change. ever switch up. And all of a sudden when he, when Varan nails that plane, do you notice the music, the music just stopped? Boom, yep. done. Yeah. Like it's over. Like there is no kind of wah, wah, or there's no like, oh, impending doom. Now, you know, these guys are messing up and Varan's really, there was nothing. It just, ends yeah i i want to say that um and i i'm gonna admit right now that i have not done a lot of studying on the um on the ifukube music uh in this film compared to other films i know that he does end up reusing a lot of themes we've talked about that Mm -hmm. before on the show um and he may reuse stuff from from this film in other films that um you know military theme may be very similar to stuff that we actually saw in the very first Godzilla as well, mm-hmm. which was four years prior to this. So mm-hmm. I I would say I agree with you, but I think that's also just one of those things like that just shows like this was a quick project, like let's get it out. Uh, and I believe Stuart Galbraith, who wrote um, a couple of the books that I have, he said that maybe one of the reasons that Varan suffers so much is that at the same time, a lot of people were working on a movie called The Three Treasures or The Birth of Japan, which is this huge epic film about Japanese mythology and just folklore all wrapped into one big story. And it's a three-hour movie that I just acquired and I haven't watched it yet. But I think that's what he was saying is that he, he thinks a lot of people were that were uh, working with Toho, even in the special effects department and the actors and, and stuff, those people were working on three treasures and so they weren't able to spend the kind of time that they needed to on Daikaiju Varan. Yeah. And it, it felt with the with the Afuka Bay music, what it felt like is they went, Okay, so here's the deal. We need uh four pieces of music. We want one that sounds like this, one that sounds <laughs> and he didn't actually watch the film and score it out. He wrote oh, pieces of music that they slid into there and they were like, This is the piece. That that's what it feels like. Maybe. I mean, I really like the actual Varan theme. It's very kind of like it almost sounds like he reused it somewhat for Majin when we watched mm-hmm. that Majin. But uh, it's good. It's in a, you can actually hear tones of this uh, the stuff in King Kong versus Godzilla later on because you get the uh, the tribal stuff, mm-hmm. the tribal sounding chanting and so forth going on in in the background. That's the kind of stuff that I love. I I don't really like the military theme from this. I've never really been big on his military marches to begin with. And at one point I read that somebody had started equating Godzilla's theme to the military march from the very first movie. And I was like, that's not what I consider Godzilla's theme at all. But, you know, to each their own, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should probably move on, though. What uh, <laughs> What are your final thoughts on this film? Unless there's anything you just wanted to talk about. Because I could talk for a long time about this film. Oh, sure. Well, and about the only thing more I could talk about is the like the question that I had offered to you, which was at the time that Varan was made, was this one of those things where they were where they were trying to make a franchise out of things, or was it just like this is successful, make another. This is successful, right. make another. And and we talked about that. Yeah, I I spent a long time talking about it before, but I think I'll kind of nutshell it for for the recording here. In the 1953 uh, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms came out and uh, King Kong was released. And that sort of sparked this 
we should make a monster movie. There's a longer story behind that. Uh, but we should make a monster movie is what Toho said. They made Godzilla. It was a huge hit. Uh, then they made Godzilla Raids again. Maybe didn't do as well. But at the time, they were trying to do something. Uh, they were modeling their their movies, their monster movies, after probably American monster movies. And that's why Rodan is a singular monster movie. Godzilla dies. Rodan dies. Varan's the same kind of thing. They're modeling their stuff after America. And then while they're doing this in this period from 1954 to 1962, before they have another versus film, little by little, Toho is refining their techniques and making this genre that they've sort of said, hey, let's do what they're doing. They're really making it their own. And then by the time King Kong versus Godzilla hits, They've got a lot more money. They're doing a lot better. King Kong versus Godzilla was a massive, massive uh, success at the box office. So I, that's what I think is going on, is that they're basically, that's why the military has to find a way to defeat these monsters. And yeah. that's why they're, they are going by a formula, but the formula isn't their own. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's sort of my answer to your question. Sure. My nutshell answer to your question. <laughs> This was one that I I enjoyed the the beginning of this movie I I really did and then and like we talked about earlier so would I recommend this to a newbie I would not uh, I think that you have to have I think you have to have some enjoyment and some appreciation to be able to come into this one I I have enjoyed this one because I like being at the place where I can talk about Ifuka Bay with you guys and and I know who some of these people are and who the oh, players yeah, are yeah. and be able to to compare it and be able to see, I guess, like now I'm starting to be able to slide all of these into place, even though we're watching them out of order and, and watching and kind of like what you were just saying, they're practicing with these pieces so that later on down the road they get better and... and so yeah, I, I think they're practicing, but at the time they didn't know they were practicing. They didn't know yeah, they were I practicing. I think in like 10 yeah. years from now they'd be like, ah. Oh. Remember when we made that movie called Rodan? <laughs> Boy, we were young and full of beans, you know. Exactly, but it's it, it, um. So yeah, this would not be a newbies film, but I think for somebody who has seen a, a decent number of these, this would this would be a film that they could appreciate. Right on. Okay, so now I have a question for you, sir. Yes. Because of the way I restructured the Daikaiju discussions for this year, you have now seen. Oh, wait, unless you were missing for one. So if you're missing for one, just blurt it out and I'll mm-hmm. let you know. But you've seen the original Godzilla. Yes. You've seen Godzilla Raids again. I did not. That's the one ah, That's okay, though, because that one was a quickie sequel. Mm-hmm. But you've seen Rodan. Yes. You've seen the Mysterians. Mm-hmm. And now you've seen Daikaiju Varan. Mm-hmm. So compare Daikaiju Varan to Godzilla, Rodan, and the Mysterians. And how did you like it compared to those original three other movies uh i'm gonna go ahead and just throw the mysterians out of the conversation now uh, that one that that one that one hurts me so, so i'm gonna ran uh, <laughs> you enjoyed more than the mysterians oh yeah absolutely oh, there's a lot more monster in it that's for yeah, sure yeah yeah absolutely absolutely uh um so the original godzilla is is really great like there that one that one is really enjoyable i I would say that, uh, man. So you'd put Godzilla at the top of that short Absolutely. List. I put it at the top of that. The thing. Mysterians ab- at the bottom. The, so now it's yeah. which is better, Varan or Rodan? 
All right. So I think as a whole movie, I think Rodan is better. But I think that the start that Varan has, that that first half of the movie, the first even like the first thirty minutes of that movie, the the I, is better than all of Rodan. Hmm. Okay. I really do. I think that it's a it's much better at the beginning, and unfortunately, the other half of Varan really drags it down. Hmm. Now that makes a lot of sense. I mean, what we were saying earlier about uh, once Varan leaves the village in the lake, it's mm-hmm. just sort of not as interesting for me. It's when he, as soon as he spreads those wings to fly or those Absolutely. membranes, that's when it sort of yeah kills it for me. But uh, I guess my final thoughts. Cause I'm just going to go ahead and move into that because there's too many points to talk about for, for me. I could just, <laughs> I could wax poetic about this movie. I could sit here and make this probably about a two hour episode, but I don't need to do that. Apologies to those of you who love the two hour episodes, but uh, we do need to move on. So my final thoughts on Daikaiju Varan, in my opinion, this movie is sort of a healthy mix of classic Kaiju and a film that has some more interesting history behind it than it does as an interesting film. That sort of came out wrong, but hopefully what you got out of that is that the history behind it is a little more interesting than the film itself. Um, And there are parts of it that I love, there are parts of it that I don't love, and there's something that I just will never be able to shake, and I can't erase it from history because I am not omnipotent, and that is the flying Varan. I just cannot stand that thing. Uh, but that's uh, all beside the point. I do think that I would show this to someone who uh, was interested in the genre, like uh, we were talking about with the Mysterians. Once you've seen the Godzilla films, and you're like, well, what else have they made? Yeah, I would definitely show this to, to someone. So those are those are my final thoughts. Nice. Good final thoughts. Anything to add? No, not at all. That was great. And there you have it. But we need to move on and uh, because we did get seven user submissions for this particular homework assignment. And we will start that right now with Robert, who says, Varan, what a delightful and intriguing film. This movie is one of Robert's favorite kaiju films for many reasons. The special effects in general and the monster design in particular are quite excellent. The Varan costume is a work of art. Several shots of the monster are really spectacular, like when he attacks the fishing boat. You get a real sense of his immense scale and feel the terror of the monster's attack. Another great shot is when the army first attacks Varan and a missile truck crashes into a ditch. It seems like an obvious model shot until a soldier inconceivably crawls out of the truck. Actually, I do think that was a model. I think that was like a little tiny puppet in the in there. Like the guy shooting out of the tank? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it worked so well in that one. So, uh, <laughs> uh, The most interesting aspect of the movie is the religious issue, the clash of ideologies in the first act. The scientists blunder into the Tibet of Japan, not only with a blatant disregard for the villagers' territory, but for their worldview as well. Kenji laughs in the face of the village priest, chiding him for holding on to unfounded superstitions in the scientific 20th century. He preaches the good news of rationality to the villagers to get them to go into the forbidden area to find the lost boy. All this does is wake the god Beradagi up and prove the priest correct. Yet the scientists still do not take the villagers seriously. 
They do not call the monster Baradagi as the villagers do. They come up with their own name. Up oh, sidebar, sidebar. I have to say something. Uh, so the I was doing my research for the film here, and uh, they said they called him Varanus Potter. Uh, that's the Latin for father of lizards. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, okay. Nice work. Yeah, you know, if I do the research, I definitely want to share the research with the listeners. So, uh, anyway, they do not call the monster Baradagi as the villagers do. They come up with their own name. This is in contrast to Dr. Serizawa in Gojira, who names the kaiju after the Odo Island residents' tradition. The events that follow in Varan are almost a comedy of errors as the combined military and scientific efforts to destroy Varan fail. Finally, they stumble onto a solution that kills the beast. Robert has pointed out in other Daikaiju discussions this theme of science versus religion uh, in Japanese cinema, especially in Toho's kaiju films. You can go to his podcast, which is ctgpodcast.com, and listen to episode 8 on Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra to hear more on this conflict. But the clash is this. The ideals that began in the West during the enlightenment of empirical truth and rational discernment, excuse me, uh, come in conflict with the Eastern sense of mystery, wonder, and fear that the unseen world generates. There is no nuclear moral to give in Varan. Its moral encompasses a wider scope. Man cannot be so proud as to assume it has all the answers and can conquer all of nature. We need to realize that we should heed the warnings from the past and leave certain monsters lie. Varan is one of Joe's favorite kaiju. He thinks that his debut movie was a good one and had forgotten how much he enjoyed it after watching it for the first time in many years. Sure, there are some goofy parts and the ending could have had a little bit better at times, but overall, Joe enjoys this movie, Varan's design and portrayal in the movie. Joe wishes he would have made a comeback in future films, like an original draft of GMK. If he did have something negative to say in the film, it would be about the ending. It was kind of disappointing to see a great kaiju dispatched by a simple bomb, even one 20 times more powerful than dynamite. Joe would rate this film at three stars out of five, though he doesn't think that he would show it for a first-time new kaiju fan right away, possibly after seeing most of the quote-unquote better films. Mike Keller from Monster Attack Magazine writes, Varan the Unbelievable is perhaps the most pedestrian of Toho's classic kaiju Iega. Uh, although the major creative forces of the genre seem to be involved in some way, Tanaka, Honda, Tsuburaya, and Ifukube, the movie just comes across as something that was phoned in. I would also like to add uh, Shinichi Sekizawa to that list, by the way. It's a kaiju film by the numbers, like something that came off an assembly line, lacking any real heart and completely unable to emotionally engage the viewer. The characters are wooden, uninteresting, and indeed are absent for much of the film. The most interesting character is Dr. Sugimoto. Mike found him intently watching the screen every time he appeared, but this had to do more with the fact that he was staring at his hair. Perhaps Mike should have should amend that to say that the most interesting character is Dr. Sugimoto's hair. The film's two saving graces are the magnificent Ifukube score, much of which would be recycled in superior films, and Varan himself. Varan is a great monster design. The suit is almost as well sculpted as Jennifer Lawrence's backside. Thanks, Mike. Uh, he is let down by only, only by the fact that his mouth doesn't seem to move enough during his early scenes. And in the other scenes, the actor inside the costume, sometimes Nakajima and sometimes Katsumi Tezuka, was clearly on his hands and knees. 
And despite how good Varan looks, he seems to lack that certain notch of character that would elevate him to the level of Godzilla, Rodan, or Mothra. There are a few head scratchers. Varan at times seems more interested in individual humans than his big lizard brethren usually are. It seems that his mere presence causes windstorms to manifest from nowhere. Some scenes jump from day to night, back to day within a few minutes. At one point, a forest fire appears for no logical reason other than dramatic effect. The stock footage from Godzilla could be jarring at times. Uh, just a couple little tidbits from, from Kyle here. The forest fire started because Varan kicked over that truck and it blew up. That's right. That was the missile battery that went over. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to say here is, uh, oh, yeah, you said something about windstorms that manifest from nowhere. I That just reminded me of something. I'm sorry to interrupt your, your homework, uh, Mike, but I have a theory. What if Varan actually is a supernatural creature in the lake? When he's in the lake, in that like village area, he has supernatural powers, but when he leaves that lake, his powers are greatly reduced, and that is why they were able to kill him. Dun, dun, dun! I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just made sense to me, like, that, you know, all these winds were kicking up when he wasn't flying yet, you know. Well, and that leads me to wonder more about how they were designing this show around well when it was a show and then it was a movie maybe the flying aspect was supposed to be more of what they were after and they they had to get rid of because i i don't know if they did all of the suit stuff after they filmed all of the the folks and the characters in the story and maybe they were there was going to be more flying involved and then they had to scrap it or yeah, i don't know i don't know that's one of those things that's probably lost to the ages but anyway, uh, back to Mike's homework here. Uh, he says, overall, some class monster footage that should have served a better vehicle. So Johnny writes in, and he will start off by saying that Varan is an interesting kaiju film. When Toho was going through the process of making their kaiju movies the best, Varan seems to be a backward step. Varan himself was a little disappointing because he didn't feel like a huge monster, Another disappointment was that the village was only in the beginning of the film and we never get to see the villagers again after the first full appearance of the monster. Toward the end of the film, Johnny saw stock footage from the original Godzilla, showing early signs of Toho's stock footage addiction. When watching Varan, it seems like Toho was trying to remake the original Godzilla but ended up making a kaiju disappointment. One of Johnny's favorite scenes in the movie was when the humans were saying, that no skin is stronger than steel, which made him think that Toho was dissing the Man of Steel. Overall, this movie is for hardcore kaiju fans. Johnny did have one question. Why was Varan black and white when they were using color with the past kaiju movies? And uh, that's what we already talked about, because it was shot for American television. And at the time, American televisions were pretty much black and white. So moving on to Jamie... He watched this movie twice over, and unfortunately, it was the dub slash remix. Sorry to hear that, man. Quite frankly, it was a mess with the American footage cut into the Japanese footage. It felt more like he was watching a movie about the view of the side characters rather than the main characters. Commander James Bradley came off as really rather condescending. 
considering the amount of ecological damage he was about to partake in, and the ruinations of a native group's way of life by destroying their main source of food. Also, much like Gigantus the Fire Monster, there was a needless narration of events in the movie that we already knew were happening. The first Godzilla movie underwent the same thing, but even in hindsight and thinking back on it, it felt nowhere near as disjointed as Varan. Plus, Commander Bradley had some of the worst Captain Kirk fighting ever, and at the time, at a time before Captain Kirk fighting was a reality. There were some unintentionally hilarious moments in this film, though. When Varan is swimming and the planes are bombing him, Jamie could not focus on anything other than how fast he moved. Varan could easily have won the gold medal for the Olympics at the time, plus the scene of him hiding behind the rocks and underwater when the JDF is using depth charges made Jamie think of James Bond sneaking into Soviet Russia for some reason. It was the only time he'd ever seen a kaiju sneak around like a ninja. As for the good, Jamie did like the Varan costume, although it looked like a cross between Godzilla and Angulus, and the miniature work was fantastic as always. It was also good to see the humans use their brains to outthink and defeat the monster rather than straight-on brute force. The music was good, and the one priest trying to wave away Varan was badass, sticking, to, sticking around to face the monster right up until the end when he was buried. It takes a certain kind of guts to face off against a giant kaiju with nothing more than a stick in your own beliefs. Jamie thought this must have been a pretty dangerous film to make for the suit actor, Haru Nakajima, if only because of how much time we see Varan in the water, and not just in the water, but in the water with explosives going off around him, and giant model planes being thrown at his chest and stepping on more explosives, such as the exploding truck filled with the chemical. All in all, Jamie wouldn't suggest this to new fans, but mostly seasoned veterans. Alex writes in, noting that Varan is an interesting beast of a film. It really doesn't stand up to the likes of Rodan from 1956, Godzilla from 1954, or Mothra from 1961, and for that, its reputation has always suffered. The film is actually pretty par for the course as far as the general giant monster movie's output of the 1950s is concerned, but it does have a few exemplary attributes, the first of which is easily the Varan suit. The distinctive flying squirrel membranes, translucent spines which seem to glow under the studio lights all make it what is one of Alex's favorite kaiju to this day. The score is easily one, uh, one of his favorites from Ifukabe. The movie's beginning is really where its strength lies. The concept of a godlike monster being discovered by way of researching butterflies is actually fairly creative at the point in Toho's film output. The fearful villagers, the fog, and the roars uh, we hear of Baradagi create a great atmosphere. When things sort of go south and become fairly mediocre, there's some cool stuff here and there, namely Varan's ability to fly, but everything goes fairly by the numbers after Varan leaves the village. Varan's history as a TV film undoubtedly played a part here. It's also probably to blame for another handicap of the film, its cast. Don't take this the wrong way, they're fine. But there's no Takarada, Sahara, or Kochi. They do their job okay, but they lack the excess of talent or charm that the main cast in, uh, in things like the original Godzilla or Rodan. Even with its flaws, maybe even because of them, I still have a fairly fond place in my heart for this film. It may not be a masterwork of Toho's Daikaiju films, but it's a pretty solid giant monster movie in general. Murdoch says that it's wonderful to see from a semi-beginning just how Ifukube's themes have progressed through the years. Many recognizable themes are present in this film, 
just slightly different, and some perhaps never heard again. It's, but it's nice to hear where they began and how the themes have matured over time. The special effects are solid. You can see Toho finding their footing here with what will continue to be strikingly realistic miniatures, proper use of high-speed film, and a really good kaiju suit. The only fail is early on in the film when Varan makes his first appearance. At times, he looks like a man in a suit, but it's okay because the rest is pretty damn good. The suit design was sound. Too bad he lost out on a bid for GMK. The few times he took flight, a friend of Murdoch's commented that he looked like a flying squirrel. Murdoch has to agree, with no disrespect intended. But truly, he liked the overall design. Again, it was nice to see Toho finding their place and taking a step in the right direction. When he finally watched this film to the end, Murdoch realized that he had never seen it all the way through. He did feel remorse during Varan's demise, a typical sympathetic stance from, those, uh, from these films early on, but definitely a good one because it draws you into the character. Overall, Varan was a really solid early effort and seeing how all aspects of production matured throughout the coming years. Those are our Daikaiju Discussion homework submissions. Martin, do you know what next month's movie is? I have no idea, but I'm excited to hear. Next month's movie is the 1964 Ghidra, the Three-Headed Monster. And uh, I am super excited about this because I have talked about this movie probably more than any other singular Godzilla film in the entire series. And that's that's because this is where the switch is flipped. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's sort of the term I use a lot. Hopefully you can make it, but I will warn you, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster gets a little weird. And it like, <laughs> at least it doesn't slow down a lot. It's got some really interesting uh, tactics, I'd say, in mm -hmm. it. It's, good, it's a good film. Uh, anyway, if you are interested in turning in your homework, aka thoughts, questions, and reviews, please do so by May 23rd. And I'll have that information uh, posted on the website and I'll get your homework included in the Daikaiju Discussion episode. And I believe it's time to move on to some news. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. There are some news items, but not that many to talk about. Uh, the biggest one, in my opinion, is that Tsuburaya, who is celebrating their 50th anniversary this year, is announcing a brand new Ultraman and series. I'll have a link in the show notes to the Sci-Fi Japan article about that. But basically, uh, it's a brand new Ultraman. I would imagine it's Ultraman Ginga, but I'm not really sure how to say that. So if you're into Ultraman, you might want to check that out. Uh, it looks kind of cool, you know, but I haven't seen very much about it yet. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more as far as Subaraya news goes for the rest of the year. Speaking of Sci-Fi Japan, there's also an article on the Men in Suits documentary. You may have listened to the uh, the episode where we talked to the the producers of that documentary here on the show. And uh, Sci-Fi Japan has something about that. Uh, and that is because, uh, of course, there will be a link in the show notes to that article. But that is because Bob Johnson, who is involved with Sci-Fi Japan, has a, a screening of that and m many other things happening at uh, the Bow Theater for his Bay Area Film Events Group. It is called An Evening of Rubber Monsters. They're going to show Men in Suits and Revenge of the Creature. You get to meet writer slash director Frank Woodward and other talents who worked on the film. And 
Uh, the Bay Area Film Events crew will be filling the lobby with more men in monster suits than you could imagine. It's an evening devoted to all things monsters with your host, uh, KFJC's Robert Emmett. Uh, and then, that's it. I'll have links in the show notes to all of those things. And uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about some upcoming events, like you've heard us talk about on the show before. We have uh, Stumptown Comics Festival happening this weekend. If you heard the episode, the bonus episode with Paul Guinan and Anina Bennett, we talked a whole lot about it. It's basically a fantastic like comic book-related convention slash festival slash show that's happening here in town. Um, I've been going for the past several years. Martin, I know you've been sometimes as well. I think this will be, well, I've gone every year that I've lived here. I think this will be my fifth time. Oh, right on. That's cool. That That's more than me, I think, actually. <laughs> High five. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, listen to that episode if you want to find out why you should go to this, because it's really a great show. Uh, but there's another reason you should go, and that's because uh, Heather and I will be, and hopefully Jeff as well, We'll be recording on Sunday as part of Podcast Alley. Uh, we'll be broadcasting basically like a radio station the entire uh, hey buddy, the entire time of the show. So uh, it's all on RadioStumptown.net, and it's part of this the Podcast Alley group at uh, Stumptown Comics Fest, and it's awesome. Anyway, that's this weekend, the 26th and 27th of March. Next month, and I'm sorry Jeff isn't here because he would love to talk about this, I'm sure. Uh, Crypticon is happening in Seattle from May 24th to the 26th. That is an awesome horror show, and we're going to be up there doing some panels. I have two panels. One's called the Kaiju Control Group. Uh, that's going to be used for a podcast, a future podcast. And then another panel that I'm doing is called Toho Monsters on the Loose, where I'm going to be talking about movies like Varan. Uh, and other films that were sort of leading up to the 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 formula that I that I mentioned earlier. So if you want to hear me talk a lot more about that, come to Crypticon from the 24th and 26th of May in Seattle. Uh, the next month in June, on the 22nd, we have Godzilla Night 2 in San Leandro at the Historic Bell Theater. They're going to be showing Godzilla vs. King Ghidra and Godzilla vs. Mothra from the Heisei era. Plus, Big Pimp Jones is going to be there playing some stuff from Kadoja, and I hear some other cool things. And there's going to be a really awesome podcaster talking on stage, probably in front of a crowd. That's going to be really cool. That's me. That's me. I'm talking about. Oh, is that you? That's yeah, me. <laughs> anyway, oh, that's, that's awesome. There's a ton of stuff going on there. There'll be links in the show notes to all of these, of course. Uh, in July, there's both G Fest and San Diego. More to come on those, I'm sure. That's months away. Just a couple of housekeeping items here. Jeff and I, darn you, Jeff, for leaving. Jeff and I went to Monster Palooza, had a blast. We shot a lot of video, so there should be a video forthcoming on that. I'm not sure when we'll get that online, but uh, it should be awesome. Because uh, <laughs> I was reviewing some of the footage, and there's just something incredible about people who make monsters for a living and, and what they do in front of a camera. The coolest part about that, and Martin's sitting right here, so I'd like to thank him publicly for the Ultraman mask that you gave oh, me because yeah. I had that signed by Bin Furiura who played the original Ultraman and Susumu Kurobe who played Hayata who turns into Ultraman and uh, Hiroko Sakurai who plays Fuji 
And uh, they were so very, very nice. And if you haven't seen the photos from that, there's an album on the Facebook page. And for anybody who's interested in Ultraman but wasn't able to go to the show, I'll have a link in the show notes to a recap of the Ultraman panel, which was essentially just a Q&A, really. I did record audio from it, but it's not podcast worthy because there was no microphone in the audience. Bummer. Yeah, <laughs> it's too bad. I was sitting there holding the microphone above my head, <laughs> pointing it towards the speaker. Uh, I'm sure I looked silly, but uh, it's fine. It's all good. It's all good. I wasn't embarrassed. Basically, just got to wrap up the show now. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, and you want to experience the glory and the the power of giant monsters in your in your ear holes, then please point your web browser to KaijuCast.com. You can get all of our episodes on the website, not to mention see the full list of Daikaiju discussions. Uh, and there's links, handy, handy links on the right-hand side to my friends' websites uh, that are kaiju-related. And, of course, links to Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Vimeo, the commentaries, a uh, link to subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, which I actually would love for you guys to do. If you, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do. Uh, if you're on iTunes, it's very easy to do so. Hey, if you're on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review. All of that stuff makes us look super good uh, when somebody's looking at the actual podcast and considering us for, yeah, I don't know, something like maybe press passes or something like that. Anyway, if you don't have iTunes or you don't have some way to download the podcast automatically, we're also on Stitcher. So check us out on Stitcher. There's a link in the right-hand side of the website to that as well. And that's going to wrap it up. Martin, thank you very much for joining us here. Well, I guess I guess I should just say joining me here because Jeff has left us. He left. He left. And we're going to basically see you hopefully at the Stumptown Comics Fest. I know it's you there, Martin. Absolutely. Uh, and beforehand, of course. And uh, <laughs> I'm hauling the cat. So if we don't see you at the Stumptown Comics Fest this weekend, please do check out the live broadcast on RadioStumptown.net. We will be back with another episode next month. We're going to close out the show with a song from Big Pimp Jones' Kodoja Project. This is called The Military's Kiss, Jamata.
experiment went wrong, okay? Went wrong? Wiping out an entire city isn't something that went wrong. It's Armageddon! <laughs>